0: A young blonde man wearing white robes and golden armor charges on a pitch-black horse directly at the assembled Persian chariots and cavalry. He's in his 20s, and by the age of 30, he will have conquered the known world. He will have been worshipped as a god and founded an empire and a culture that will have a lasting effect on civilization for 2,300 years. The dust of the plain of Gargamela fills the air. It is 331 BC. Alexander the Third of Macedon is about to become Alexander the Great. This is Blind History, brought to you by Taylor Blinds. This is the first in a series of history podcasts that I've been very excited to do for a long, long time. It's uh, about important and significant people in history, and I've managed to find someone who is as passionate about history as I am. Anthony Meder is here. He happens to be the CEO of Taylor Blinds, and he's been a podcast listener for a long time. He reads voraciously about history. So the two of us hope to, through the course of a few episodes of this podcast series, tell you about some of our favorite people in history. Some of them are our favorites because they were really good people. Some of them are our favorites because they were fascinating and evil. But by the end of this, we'll hopefully all have a better idea of how human nature works. It's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. So we decided to put together just a a very concise list of who exactly we want to focus on. And we're going to start with Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great was probably one of the most decisive figures in all of human history. He's in every list of important people that have lived and died. His influence extends to the very present era. You could say that Hellenistic civilization and subsequent to that Western civilization was founded by him. His conquests throughout Asia have resulted in people who were discovered as late as the 1920s speaking Greek in far-flung provinces of Afghanistan. And he died in the year 323 B.C. So that's some influence to go from 323 B.C till 1920 if you look at what his father did for him
1: um, philip of macedon i think philip ii his father had similar characteristics there was a big dream of his burning ambition to actually go east actually philip ii and that was his his son although i'm not sure the relationship was great i don't think any normal father-son relationships existed in that violent part of our history exactly
0: (laughs) but his father had one eye His father was also um, a a big warrior and managed to conquer a large portion of northern Greece. He also managed to subdue some of the the Spartan and Greek kings to his will. But he was assassinated and Alexander took over as king when his father had been assassinated. He, He wasn't always popular at court. His mother was not his father's favorite wife, Olympia. She was actually exiled for a while. But I found out something interesting about Alexander that I'd forgotten he was tutored by Aristotle, mm. so he actually had Aristotle as his tutor
1: correct i mean that that 's got to count for something, and Gareth, you know just to jump in quickly what 's incredible about what I really like about him he 's just not just a warrior king I mean the philosophy what he learned from Aristotle, he was able to treat his troops, the injured troops and that that were lying in the battlefield, mm-hmm. and he actually did that especially early on, so philosophy, medicine. He was very interested in all different parts, very well educated. So that was exciting. Just a brief story on Olympia, his mom. Philip was convinced she was a witch of sort. I'm not sure what they <laughs> called them in those days, yeah. but the one evening he came in and she was sleeping with a snake. And so he said, no, look, I need to do my duty here, yeah? procreate, and then I'm, I'm out of here. It was almost like that type of <laughs> <scenario>. <laughs> Well, She used to say,
0: Olympia used to tell everybody who wanted to know that Philip wasn't really Alexander's father and that she was actually impregnated by Zeus and that he was a son of Zeus. I mean, people could tell those stories and if you're a queen, they weren't going to disagree with you on pain of death. (laughs) But Alexander's called Alexander the Great and there are not a lot of people in history who get the epithet of the great. Uh, In Greek, they say Alexandros Megalos and he was undefeated in battle, which is one of the reasons he was the great. He founded 20 cities that bear his name to this day. (laughs) He conquered the known world before he'd even turned 30, and he created a system of cultural diffusion and what they call syncretism, where basically he took a whole lot of cultures, and this was unheard of in those days because people were very tribal. He took all of these cultures and amalgamated them into his culture. He had troops that were Bactrian. He had troops that were Persian. He had troops that were Indian. He had troops that spoke Egyptian. And all of that he put together into his army, into his force. And they marched across all the way from the Peloponnese right the way through Asia Minor into the, the deserts of, of what is modern-day Iran and through all the way to the Indus Valley where eventually they turned around and went back via Babylon and he died. But an incredible life. I mean, if anyone deserved the name The Great, it's got to be this guy. He conquered Persia and defeated Darius III – as emperor of persia in two major battles and, and this is where his reputation as a soldier really comes from the battle of issus and the battle of gaugamela and at issus and Gargamela, he he had some very interesting military tactics that hadn't been tried at the time i mean at issus he developed the phalanx and he had these these greek um, infantrymen with very very long spears that they would lay over each other and form like an impenetrable wall Against anything, cavalry, infantry, chariots At Gagamela, he actually attached scythes You know, like the Angel of Death carries mm. Or that you would use to shear corn That the Soviets yeah. eventually put on their flag He attached scythes to the wheels of his chariots To chop away the legs of the infantrymen And the, the cavalry of the Persians and all the rest of it So it was an incredible sense of military tactics Which hadn't really at that stage been developed at that scale Yeah, I'm very strategic Hugely. Hugely. And there's a beautiful story about how once he had defeated Darius III, who fled and eventually died, I think he was murdered by one of his generals. Alexander found the body and had him buried in full pomp right near his ancestor Cyrus the Great, whose tomb he also refurbished. So he had a kind of begrudging respect Mm. for the nations that he conquered and absorbed them into his into his empire rather than conquering them and
1: stamping them out of existence. But that almost was also his downfall, but because of the power of his character, he managed to keep his army and everybody with him. But because the Macedonians were very much against the integration of, of all the different cultures that he managed to conquer, but demonstrating his character. And it's, it does waver a bit. You know, if you looked, I think the Macedonian Kings of the time drank hard, fought hard, rode horses, loved horses, but, When Darius the third actually, as you said earlier, ran away, he literally ran away and left his family behind, his wife Mm -hmm. and his children. Alexander looked after them like the royalties that they were. Mm -hmm. And to such an extent that Darius's mother, I stand to be corrected, could be the mother or the wife adopted Alexander Mm -hmm. at that specific time at the first battle. I think it's a battle of Isis. So those type of things demonstrate his type of, you know, what type of character he was and. There was a fairness to him. Obviously, he was brutal. That island that they had in the Mediterranean where they, they resisted him for nearly a year, he absolutely decimated it afterwards. And the rest he took into slavery. <laughs> Getting back to Aristotle just briefly, because I just I remembered that, um, he hung with some serious people. If you look at Ptolemy, yeah. that was Cleopatra's uh, ancestor. ancestor. And he went, obviously, at the end with the disastrous split up of his empire because there was no heirs. He went down to, to Egypt. And he actually took Alexander's body.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that by the end of the story. But I think the the major events of his life, I mean, we talked about the conquest of Persia and these battles of, of Issus and, and Gargamela. He eventually reached the Persian capital of Persepolis, which was this amazing, beautiful, they had these these halls called Apadanas with these columns that were meters and meters high. I think something 20 meters high, the ceiling of the, of the main Apadana which you could still see the ruins of now. But the reason it isn't a thriving city and hasn't been built on by cities that came afterwards was because Alexander's troops, it's believed either on purpose or by mistake, set fire to the place when they, when, when they eventually were camping there one night. And they burnt the whole place to the ground. And you can still see blackened, charred wood from the 300s B.C., mm-hmm. In that part of Persia, it's now in Iran. It's in the mountains of Iran. But it's a national monument now. And and the fact that that, that happened did some
1: damage to his reputation uh, it, as it well. It actually did. And and I think historians uh, are quite split on, on the reasons behind it. He
0: obviously had many relationships too. I mean, first of all, we've got to say he did a couple of things that were outside of the norm. Um, you mentioned Macedonians. he was hard drinking. He did that. He was a massive drinker, mm. in fact, I think towards the end of his life, there were about four days where he was just drunk for a successive of four days and just kept drinking and eventually fell down and That's when he started getting sick. I mean he was only in his thirties, mm. but hard drinking, hard fighting i mean they they would fight to the death, um, and it was a Macedonian thing to just never give up and to take on your enemy and if you fell, then fall fighting, mm. but he also did something that they didn't do he because he wasn't a very dark man like the rest of the Macedonians. He was blonde. He also chose to shave. So he was the only clean shaven guy in his army. Everyone else had beards. And this became a bit of a thing because now you see everywhere that you, that you see his, his head portrayed in, in armor and in sculpture and in, in ancient mosaics and so on. He's the only one without a beard in any of these pictures. So he sort of stands out. And I think that was part of his propaganda is that he wanted to stand out. And all the first-hand sources that describe him are lost, but there are a couple of of very good descriptions. There was one sculptor who he particularly liked the work of because he thought it looked the most like him. And he just absolutely banned anyone else from drawing, carving, or, or, or trying to create an impression of him in clay or anything else from that point on. He had a horse called Bucephalus. Yes, that's an incredible he, story. He had Bucephalus um, fight with him throughout the wars in Asia. And eventually, I think Bucephalus was killed at, at a battle of the Hydaspes. And he named a town after Bucephalus. That's right. Yeah.
1: Bucephalia, and I think. It was. That's correct.
0: Yeah. And he, I think, eventually had Bucephalus buried in full ceremony as well, like a human. But an incredible
1: story about uh, Bucephalus, and he was 12 years old. They were in the mountains in Macedonia, and they had this wild horse. His court, Philip's court, Alexander's dad, they were trying to tame this horse. And Alexander came along and he actually asked Lemitra. And he was the only one that tamed that wild, wild horse. You know, you don't hear of that in any of, not that I know of, of these greats that we talk about in history of this relationship with something like a horse. Well, it's incredible. Alexander was famous for his relationships. He
0: did marry a Bactrian princess called Roxanne, who he had a child with became alexander the fourth a very short-lived alexander the fourth they killed him yeah and uh, he also had relationships with men his lover was faistian all of his main friends from macedonia were called companions and they were at the forefront of all the armies and they led the armies and they took care of certain divisions but faistian was his his lover and the the two of them went to visit the tomb of achilles and achilles obviously had a, a lover too they were both killed in the wars of troy but the fact that this actually creates this very strange and mysterious overlap between mythology, you know, in terms of the Trojan Wars and and uh, the stories that we're not sure are historically true, and this real history, which we know to be historically true about Alexander afterwards, are quite fascinating. And when Hephaestion died, that was really the end of Alexander. He went
1: into decline and died shortly afterwards. From a religious perspective, if we look at Trachy's root route. Um, Everywhere he went, or every day, I believe, that he had a sacrifice or or every town that was conquered. And he also went on, in brackets, a pilgrimage down between the border of Libya and Egypt. I can't quite recall the name of it, but Ammon, I think it could Mm -hmm. be. The Temple of Ammon. Yeah. So these things were very, very an important. oasis. But so, so there's a depth to this guy. You know, mm. he's really, really serious depth. And there he was convinced, although he was very quiet, but I think there he was convinced that he was deity.
0: Yeah, he considered himself a god towards the end. And what was yeah. interesting about him from a religious point of view is he assimilated a lot of these religions into a new religion, which was really just him at the center and everything goes. So if you wanted to worship this god or this goddess, as long as you put Alexander somewhere there in that... Panoply of gods, you were okay. The other thing that I found interesting about him is this story about him and a guy called Diogenes. Diogenes was a philosopher and he supposedly died on the same day that Alexander died. But I'm going to read from Plutarch here, because this is quite an interesting story. He said Thereupon many statesmen and philosophers came to Alexander with their congratulations and expected that Diogenes of Sinope would also do so, who was tarrying in Corinth, who would do likewise. But since that philosopher took not the slightest notice of Alexander and continued to enjoy his leisure in the suburb of Cranion, Alexander went in person to see him and found him lying in the sun. Diogenes raised himself up a little when he saw so many people coming towards him and fixed his eyes upon Alexander. And when the monarch addressed him with greetings and asked him if he wanted anything, Diogenes said, "'Yes, stand a little out of the sun.'" (laughs) <laughs> and it is said that Alexander was so struck by this And admired so much the haughtiness and grandeur of the man Who had nothing but scorn for him That he said to his followers who were laughing and jesting But truly, if I were not Alexander I would be Diogenes So he took he took pleasure in being mocked a little yeah. Obviously he died in Babylon In 323 BC Some people say he died from poison There are varying stories about who might have been responsible for that But he didn't leave a designated heir and that created huge confusion so the empire broke up after his death but his body was taken by Ptolemy to Egypt and it was supposedly buried in Alexandria and we know that this is a historical fact cuz Augustus of Rome visited the body some And even Judas Caesar did as well yeah absolutely some yeah. 2 or 300 years later and when Alexander was obviously, you know, this is now a 300-year-old corpse, but he'd been embalmed to some degree by the Egyptians. And Augustus went to kiss his cheek and broke off his nose. (laughs) It's a famous story. Alexander was such an inspiration to Augustus that for a while he actually changed his seal from the sphinx to Alexander's face. But we know there was a body at some point. One of the greatest mysteries of the ancient world is what happened to the tomb of Alexander. And they've never found it. There must be something in Alexandria. Which is still there. Yeah. And nobody's been able to. It's
1: amazing with the technology now. Yeah,
0: you would think. But if someone found the tomb of Alexander, it would be the greatest and most spectacular historical find, probably in the top 10 of of all time.
1: It's phenomenal. And, you know, his life cut short. Yeah. You know, so it's cut short at 32, I think it was. He already was planning his next conquests, you know, at, at that time. You know, the whole of the Arabian Peninsula, those type of areas going towards carthage carthage was a big thing on his list that's northern africa
0: it's just the most incredible story so if you feel that you've got to 30 odd years of age and you've done nothing yet you're probably right compared to alexander the great you really don't amount to much i mean this guy had done it all and uh, that's why he's called the great thanks for listening to blind history brought to you by taylor blinds